everyone, how are you doing? It's Silly here. I'm your host today for the show, and today I'm talking to Alexis Kingsbury. I think it's a fascinating conversation which you will learn a lot from. Alexis is the co-founder of SpiderGap. SpiderGap is a software company, and he also runs other businesses besides this. So he's an entrepreneur. A few things which you'll definitely learn today in the conversation is you'll learn how Alexis is structuring his day which really helps him set himself up for success and happiness. You'll learn how Alexis is able to balance having a family and working from home and really growing his businesses. You'll learn what Alexis is looking for when he's hiring remotely. And you'll also learn the one advice which Alexis have used and can give you, which really helps him to get results much, much faster in his life. So you'll learn those things and much more. Hope you enjoy. Alexis, welcome to the show, man. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I thought we can uh, kick it off maybe by you sharing more about yourself, who you are, what do you do, and what are you up to? Sure. So uh, as you say, I'm, I'm Alexis. I uh, have a few businesses. The ones that I tend to talk most about are I have a software business called SpiderGap, which is uh, typically used by sort of mid to large organizations and small too, but it tends to be mid to large, um, helping them with, to prioritize their, uh, the development of their staff. So it, we provide a 360-degree feedback tool, uh, which is used for employees to kind of get feedback from their managers, their peers, their direct reports on where they think they should be improving their performance. And then that feeds into a coaching and development discussion that they can use to, uh, to drive and, uh, their, their own personal growth. And so I've been running that for, uh, I think we're about seven years and uh, used in over 134 countries. Uh, we have a completely remote team um, in uh, everywhere from, uh, I'm based in the UK, my co-founder is based in Sweden. Um, I, we have other team members in Philippines and India and other parts of the UK. Until recently we had someone in the US and uh, when we do hiring, uh, we, we look all over the place. Um, and so that's, uh, that's Spider Gap. And then the other business that uh, people uh, often hear me talk about is the Parentpreneur Accelerator, which is a, an online accelerator program with, uh, on a subscription basis with on-demand content and uh, group coaching calls um, that's aimed at parents who are uh, looking to start or are, are building new businesses uh, and helping them to do that in a really efficient way. And uh, as part of that, I, I host a podcast myself, which is the Parentpreneur Accelerator podcast, in which we interview uh, other parentpreneurs on, <laughs> on how they're doing it and how they're dealing with uh, issues in sleep deprivation and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, whilst also building successful businesses. So, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I'll be glad to jump later to the sleep deprivation stuff because I never had kids. Maybe you can enlighten me a bit on what the expect as an entrepreneur yeah, um, sure. I was I was thinking maybe an interesting starting point can be maybe talking about your structure of the day when I was doing some of my prep work when I was uh, watching some of your videos I, I saw a YouTube video where you were lecturing I think it was for your accelerated program and mm -hmm. you talked about your structure of the day and uh, it was fascinating for me so I was wondering maybe you can start by just sharing uh, and talking about what is your current structure of the day right now look like? Sure. Great question. Well, I, I, um, uh, you're right that, that uh, that's a video that uh, I created as part of the Accelerator, uh, really to address a question which uh, is so common, which is you know, how do you get 
everything done and still have time for things like exercise and family and hobbies and sanity. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, exactly. Um, because as an entrepreneur, you know, particularly with remote workers who can be on different time zones and so on, it's it's really easy to just end up with all of your hours just getting sucked into the business and uh, often feel like you're just sort of turning turning the handle on it. Um, so uh, I think in that, I suspect in that video, I probably talked about uh, what we call the perfect week, where we look at uh, actually making sure that you define what are the things that you really want to do in terms of uh, you know, what's the most important to you, whether it's spending time with your family, whether it's exercise, whether it's uh, getting out with your friends, whether it's doing a particular sport or game or hobby or whatever it is, and making sure that those things have got specific times in the week uh, that you commit to and, and don't allow to slip. Uh, and that you put those most important things in first, because I don't know anyone that, you know, sort of has a uh, gets late into the office or, or starts work late and says, oh yeah, so, sorry I'm late. It's just that, you know, I was having a lovely breakfast with my family and it, it just <laughs> ran on late, right? Whereas, yeah. of course, that happens quite often in the world of work. That, you know, that might happen where it's like, oh yeah, sorry, sorry I'm home late. Sorry I've missed dinner with the kids or sorry, <laughs> uh, sorry personal trainer that I can't come for my gym session. Actually, work's got in the way and because that's, always going to be the case it, it's useful to to plan your diary accordingly so what i do as much as i can agree, yeah. i sometimes fail but as much as i can <laughs> i plan my week in advance and uh time block uh to make sure i've got that time so for me uh my average day but it, it varies quite a bit um would definitely include time uh in the morning i tend to i, I get up early before the kids so because i know that otherwise uh things like um uh, exercise and so on are very difficult to do once the once the kids are, <laughs> kids are up. So I tend to get up at about uh, five a.m. Uh, and I'll do some exercise. I'll do some other morning routine things. Um, particularly, uh, there's a great book by Hal Elrod called Miracle Morning, where he covers some of the things that I think are, are, are really effective. Things like journaling and uh, and and meditation and uh, visualization and affirmations and so on. Uh, so I'll do some of those. Then uh, I'll work on my highest priority, my big rocks, the most important things I've got to do for the day. And then normally my kids will uh, wake up and sh shout down to me halfway through <laughs> my most important task. <laughs> 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 um, but that's cool. That's, that's, that's how it works, right? Um, and so then uh, I'll play with them and then uh, I'll get them all packed up and ready for nursery and school and get them off and sort out some house stuff before I then resume work at about uh, quarter to nine, something like that. And the reason I say all of that, because you might say, well, you know, surely we're talking to an entrepreneur, surely it's just about how you spend the work day. But actually I yeah. find that that is so important for making sure that I start my day right and that the rest of it goes well. Because if I start my work day feeling guilty that I've not really spent time with my family or uh, that I've not got the kids ready, I've not brushed their teeth, et cetera. And as a result, my wife's having to do it, you know, so last minute as, as they're going out the door, that doesn't make me feel a, like a successful entrepreneur that can take on challenges. <laughs> it makes me feel like a mess. <laughs> so, uh, so that's really important to me uh, to make sure that I've got those kind of things in place. And I don't do it all the time and it does, it does fall down, but that, that's kind of what I uh, do most of the time. 
and that's what's in, that's what matters. And so the rest of the day is uh, is always different. Um, I have a lot, a lot of calls. Uh, uh, used to be with customers, but increasingly now it's with team members that speak to customers, um, which and we do video calls for that. And then uh, yeah, in the gaps between those calls, working my top priorities, and then. Uh, I finish at about half four to go pick up my son and then it's all family time and uh, fun and then time with my wife and then bed. <laughs> and that's my day, basically. And all over again. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. It's, I, and, it and the work stuff doesn't feel like work. You know, it's, uh, uh, I often say, like, if, uh, if, if, if even if the business wasn't where I got my money from or whatever, it would still be my hobby. I still enjoy it. I, I enjoy it regardless. And it's most of it anyway. Most so important, yeah. I do. Yeah, I think because that's the nice thing as a as a as an entrepreneur or a business owner that you get you do there are bad days, there are tasks that you don't like. But ultimately you get you do get to decide and design what, what you're doing. And uh, I really like it that. So that's uh, so that's how I spend my time. Is that your question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. I think it's also for anyone listening. I mean, I'm 100% with you. I'm, my morning is one of my most important mm. things. I think it's what makes me happier as well. It just makes me able to do much more things. Whether you're working from home, I just think it's important for anyone. So I think it was fascinating for me to hear as well. And I'm not perfect as well at all. <laughs> not doing it every day. Yeah. Well, you can't be. It's, uh, uh, and, and often, like... Um, with the uh, parentpreneurs on my accelerator program, uh, it's quite common that they may have never had a morning routine or maybe they have, but they've got out of practice. And uh, often one of the first things I get them to do as part of the accelerator program is, is, is put that back in and we give them kind of step-by-step guides on how to do that. Um, but what's interesting is that once it goes in, it can have huge impacts on people's happiness and relationships with their partners yeah. and yeah. their ability to think effectively. Um, but it's not uncommon after, say, six to eight weeks that something will happen. You know, you'll go sick, kids go sick, you know, have a particular busy day or something goes wrong and you kind of fall out of it again. And I think people beat themselves up for that. And, you know, myself included, you sort of beat yourself up. Myself kind of, included, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, you have to take that moment to just realize, oh, actually, it is okay to get it wrong. It is okay to drop it. The, the bit that you should give yourself the most credit for is when you spot it and go, right, well, this morning or tomorrow morning, it will be different and I'll put it back in. And uh, it's taking that decision that's the, the hard step rather than the, you know, doing it on the 101th time after doing it 100 times in a row is not hard. You've got it ingrained as a habit. The hard thing is picking it up again. And uh, that, that's what we should give ourselves most credit for. So. I think anyone that's done it in the past and is thinking, oh, yeah, I should really start doing that again. Like, just do it again, even if it's something small. Like, when I get out of doing exercise, the thing I remind myself is even just doing 20 or 30 uh, jumping jacks or star jumps is, is enough to get my heart rate up enough that it will sort of raise that metabolism. It will raise my energy level for the rest of the day. And if that's all I can do, then at least I've consciously done something rather than not done any exercise all day. Absolutely, yeah. It's always better than nothing. Indeed, indeed. Very cool. I I love it Uh, completely. I I thought maybe we can uh, move on and hear your perspective on how you deal with uh, family and small kids in home while you're working. Since sounds like all of your businesses are 100% remote and you're based in the UK and remotely. So uh, I'm wondering, I'm not there 
there. I mean, I don't have any kids, uh, so maybe it's uh, something personal I'll have later. But I, I guess many people listening in may have those worries. And so I'm wondering, do you have any like tactics, tools, or stuff you do to really kind of help you com- combine those two things? Make sure, since the family and kids are always in home, and you're in home as well, like any, anything you're doing to, to combining your family and also your entrepreneurial uh, pursuits at the same time? Yeah, sure. And, and, and to be, um, uh, to sort of caveat this as to start with, like for the setup with working from home and, and having kids can vary a lot. And so, uh, for different people and, and parents that I've worked with, uh, I'll, I'll have some that join accelerated program and you know, the kids have just started going to school. And as a result, it's like, they've suddenly got more time in the day than they've had, they've had for quite a long time. And so, whereas for other entrepreneurs who are like regularly working eighty-hour weeks, um, this this you know entrepreneur who's suddenly getting just nine till like three each day is suddenly like, wow, I've got so much time. <laughs> and so, um, for some people, that's situation. For others, they may have uh, childcare, either full time or part time. And for others, still uh, that they would have, as as you describe, where actually you have the, the the children at home for some or all of the time. I think from the interviews that I've done with parentpreneurs and the experience I've had with the people in the program, I think there isn't one size fits all, but there are some fundamental principles. So the first one relates to a point that we've previously discussed, which is about designing your perfect week and, and particularly that of time blocking. Um, the ability to say, actually, this is when I'm working, this is when I'm not working, and making sure that you've got the non-working time in there so that you don't feel guilty all the time. Because that's the risk, particularly if you've got kids at home, uh, either looked after or not, is that feeling of, oh, any time that I do any work thing, like I feel guilty because I should be just staring into the beautiful eye of the eyes of my child. And it's like, that's not realistic. And you get pretty bored after a little bit. They're beautiful for the first few minutes. And then and after a good 45 minutes, it's, you know, you kind of feel like you want to do something else. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and actually... Uh, blocking out that time uh, works in in both directions because then when you are spending time with them, actually you're not feeling guilty that you're not building your amazing business that's going to change the world, you know, and because that's the risk, right, is that you just feel like, oh, well, now I'm spending time with my kids, but oh, well, I'm not making money to, you know, <laughs> feed them and clothe them or whatever. And you you can't live like that. You can't enjoy what you're doing if you're just always feeling guilty. So the first thing is that time blocking. Uh, the second thing is getting help. You've got to get support, whether it's paid for support, like childcare or a nanny or whatever, um, or not paid for, whether it's uh, your uh, pet, you know, your parents or parents-in-laws or a partner or uh, some of the nicest ones I've seen, um, particularly in cases where uh, I've got parent um, uh, parents who perhaps their partner uh, works away or is in the army or maybe they're a single parent. And one of the nicest things that I see is when they meet up with a friend who perhaps is starting their own business themselves or perhaps is even on the program. We've had that a few times um, where they've met through the program and decided to meet up. And then you've got this other person who actually can help you with that childcare and do, you know, like play date where the one adult looks after the two children and while you do, while you do 45 minutes or an hour of solid work and then you switch and you can get a lot done when you focus like that. 
So I think getting that support is really important. Um, but it, when you combine those two things of, of time blocking and designing your time with that support, it's really powerful because that, that time blocking allows you to set expectations. It allows you to say to the husband or wife, okay, so I'm going to work now till you know next time. For the next solid hour, I'm going to be working, but then I'm going to come in and join you. And that helps because it means that they don't feel like they need to keep on coming into you. And they're able to say to the kids, oh, don't worry, you know, he slash she will be in the minutes. Um, and that helps rather than just sort of working all hours and the partner or whoever that was providing the support sort of having to just come into you all the time. Because that disruption is the killer. Like the, it's the, you can get an amazing amount done in a short spirit period of time, but you need two things. Great, you need great. focus on the right things to do and you need focus of your mental energy on that. And that means, you know, being in the right state and having been doing exercise and having slept and whatever, but also not getting constant distractions. Um, so I think those are the two things, right? Regardless of what your setup is, if you can do, uh, yeah, if you can do those things, then, uh, then that, that will, that'll get you through it, <laughs> I guess. But it's always hard. <laughs> and, and there are oftentimes like if the kids go sick, childcare goes sick, you know, things fall through. You do, you do have to be able to cope with that and just be able to roll with it and go, well, oh, well, the kids are sick, which means they can't be at childcare, but at least I get to spend time with them. Hooray. And enjoy that. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love those tips. I think those are great for anyone listening, regardless um, whether I have kids or not. And it comes back to what we started the conversation about uh, having a great structure. So I thought we can move on talking about uh, uh, the, the remote company. So uh, how many people right now are in your businesses and are they all 100% remote? Do you have an office or it's all completely distributed? So... Um the how many one is a really interesting and oddly challenging question because like I, you know, I've, I've worked in uh, various businesses, uh, often as a consultant before my own businesses. Um, and that was normally an easy question to answer. You know, how many people are in your team? Like you look at the org chart or you look around the office and yet it kind of depends on the parameters because if you include anyone that I'm working with in a, you know, week to week capacity. Ah, I mean like free, as freelancers, contractors, full time. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. because we have a real mix, right? You know, because um, even sure. technically, you know, even technically like I'm like four days a week on my software business. So as a result, we couldn't, if we're going to count the people in it, we can't only count full timers because then we wouldn't be counting me so, or, or, or at least five day a weekers. But then of course, where do you then draw the line? Because for example, we have an IT security advisor who they don't work full time or indeed even uh, regular hours, but we call upon them regularly for various other things. So I think if you include, you know, all the people that I'd consider part of the, the extended team, I'd say we're probably at about nine. Yeah, probably about eight, nine, 10, something like that. And we're having a lot of change at the moment. We're currently recruiting uh, for both developer, uh, both software developer roles and also for uh, customer facing roles. Um, and uh, yeah, so and so we have a real mix in terms of flexibility, in terms of areas. Uh, you know, we've got uh, team members in uh, Bangalore, Manila, and the uh, Philippines. We've got myself and someone else that's in the UK, but we're not co-located. I've, in fact, 
despite the, the fact they're in the UK, I've not actually met them in person. <laughs> it's, it's not felt a need. And in fact, I've got a few, few in the UK, uh, but it's, we've, t- we've tended not to hire based on location. You know, last, last time we recruited for a developer, uh, we cast the net very wide uh, all over the world, in fact. And the only requirement was, was that they would be able to overlap uh, my co-founder's hours, who's based in Sweden, uh, for, uh, for half the day. So for, for four, four hours per day, as long as they could overlap that. Uh, as part of their time zone, then then we could make it work. So yeah, so it's it's it feels weird to kind of say, well, <laughs> it varies, but we're about sort of eight to ten, and then yeah, we've got a real mix of some part time, uh, some full time, some on a sort of freelance arrangement, and also and also that's one of the other things is the contractual setup, right? Because I have some people who are who are proper, you know, they're contractors, and as a result, you know it's very ad hoc. They have other clients. And then I have um, some members uh, of the team who essentially are employees. They work full time for us, but because they're not based in the UK, then can't be on a UK payroll. So as a result, we use an employer of record in the, uh, in their country who directly employs them and then contacts them to us and so on so that all of that can work. So it becomes quite a complex picture (laughs) to make sure that you're (laughs) you know, completely doing everything legally and, you know, uh, and, and doing right by your employees and, and so on. Um, but yeah, it does, does make for a somewhat complex picture <laughs> when you think about who you Oh, no, no, no. I agree. I agree. I also work with lots of freelancers. And if I would have, usually when I think about like the number of teams, I think about like full-time employees or contractors, which work. But definitely if I have to include as well, every single person I either helps in any way, this changes the pictures completely because it's so easy today to uh, get people part-time in a few hours or one day or two day. Sometimes that's all is needed depending on the role uh, to really help you do some things. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So since you're hiring kind of people all around the world, can you share a bit more about your hiring process? I mean, what, what do you look for since you're hiring people from all around the globe? And I know there are challenges of it. Other specific things you're looking for kind of your hiring process for a distributed team? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think with as with any business, um, it, it's normally best to hire for uh, attitude and values rather than for skills. So agree. So um, agree. Because you know, it, normally you can train people as long as they're smart. You can train people that, to give them the skills and the experiences and the knowledge that they need uh, to do the role. Um, but they've got to they've got to really be aligned in terms of the values. And so the thing the the most important values for us around uh, continuous improvement. So um, uh, make it always be striving for growth and personal development and learning. That's something that's you know, really big for um, myself and my co-founder uh, and both in terms of uh, ourselves personally, but also for the business. And so that's a big thing that we look for is people who have demonstrated that within the last, you know, to, to work in our company, you've probably within the last couple of weeks read a book, been on a course, Read, uh, read an interesting article, ch- listen to a podcast, um, something like that to increase your understanding and to, and to learn new ideas that you can then put into practice. And so, so that's a big thing for us. Another uh, important value for us is actually our quality of life. And we look for people who seek a good balance and that remote working is part, they see part of that. You know, it doesn't work for people who say, oh, yeah, no, I just like remote working because it's just like, well, you know, better than being in office, isn't it? It's like, 
okay, that's nice that, that, that you don't like an office, <laughs> but actually what's more important is what it gives you. And the reasons that people, uh, you know, good reasons for people wanting to work remotely and, and work with us would be things like family and, and wanting to not have to be commuting for an hour or, or more and just that be a waste of time and not, not be able to uh, spend time with the family or be about uh, ability to be flexible or work around things or even just that they, uh, that they want to be able to do hobbies and, and various other uh, activities uh, that, that they enjoy. And I think having that appreciation of that work-life balance and that, that being an important thing rather than just, you know, it's, uh, it's always quite funny if I interview someone, they go, oh yeah, no, I'm, but I'm very dedicated. You know, I'll, I'll work any, all hours, I'll work any hours, you know, all, all to achieve it. And it's like, it's nice to hear that they're that dedicated and passionate, but, but it's, it's not a good values fit for us because it's that, you know, that, that's not how we, that's not how we work. <laughs> so, so that's what we tend to look for is, is people who are doing remote working for the right reasons, um, that they are continuously improving themselves because I think that's really important, particularly for a remote worker, because it's not like, it's not like there's a, a, a schedule of training courses that are happening in the meeting room at every lunchtime. You, you, know, you do have to drive some of that yourself, albeit it's supported by processes we have. And I think... Uh, Another thing that's uh, super important for us uh, is the uh, attention to detail. Partly because it's remote, but actually I think the nature of the business that we have with Spider Gap is that we do work with you know, big companies. We've got high volumes of, of uh, employees being uh, assessed and, and supported. Uh, the data is, is highly sensitive. And as a result, um, mistakes can be incredibly painful. Um, it's important to... You know, we do make mistakes and, and learning from those mistakes is incredibly important. But actually, silly mistakes and mistakes that are just made because they're, you know, lack of due care and attention are, can, can be avoided. So, so those are kind of the, some of our uh, key values. I mean, there are a couple of others, um, but those, those are some of the big ones that really help us sort, uh, sort people out, you know, sort, sort people apart from each other. Um, you know, you can imagine something around contiguous improvement when I tend to ask questions there. It, it's very obvious when I interview someone who's going to be a good fit for, my, for us when they, you know, when they talk passionately <laughs> about a book they read versus someone else who goes, yeah, no, I, I quite like books, um, mainly, you know, sort of fiction. And then they'll tell me a little bit about a sort of, you know, fiction book that they read. But it's, it's, it's not the same. It's not, it's not that passion <laughs> for learning and development that we look for and that's not to say it's wrong it's just about fit right so uh, so that's so that's how we that's what we tend to look for and as part of our recruitment process we tend to get a lot of applicants for the develop uh, role that we had we had two and a half thousand applicants before we closed the form <laughs> um and so we have to have multi-stage processes that really filter people down but the nice thing is for people that join the company is that you know that you're being picked because we feel like you're a really good fit and the reason why we get so many applicants is because it's a really great place to work in, you know, in terms of the values and how we work and how fast we're growing and, and our approach and, and what the potential is, is, you know, is, is great. And so I think we've, we've had to get, I think there's room, definitely room for us to improve, but we've had to get good at how do you, with a high volume number of applicants, quickly identify who's going to be a good fit. And there's, there's always uh, ways in which you can improve that. But yeah, it's uh, so far we've got some amazing people in the company. So I'm, I'm very pleased with what we've done. <laughs>
Awesome. Yeah. One of the things I actually started doing myself, I think even last year, very similar to you regarding learning and growth and someone who is interested in personal development is during the interview process, I actually send them a book to read, uh, which mm. should take like one hour. I'm not sending them a 600 pages book to read, yeah. but I'm honest right away. If someone is not willing to read it, like it's not a fit. If someone is not willing to read one hour book, which will help him anyway, not a fit. Cause I'm also looking for this value of uh, learning, growth, uh, personal development. So, uh, that's a small thing which worked for me, which right away filters so many people, which seemed good, but since they didn't want to read the book, uh, like weren't a fit for my team. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I really I really like that. It's a, um, it actually reminds me that I've had quite a few excellent candidates who get to an interview stage with me, and uh, they'll say, "Oh, it's quite funny talking to you because I've listened to you quite a lot on the on the podcast episodes." Yeah. Okay. That's a really good sign. If they've <laughs> a, done the effort to the research, because bear in mind the two businesses yeah, are disconnected, yeah. my, my software business, SpiderGare and the Parentpreneur Accelerator. So to find that they've had to search for me rather than SpiderGare. So that's step one is they've done their research. And step two, they've gone ahead and listened to quite a bit of content <laughs> and, and done so not only to prep for an interview, because it may have zero relevance, right? but because they've found it useful to to learn some things. And I think that's a, yeah, a really good sign. So I, I like that sharing a book or, or some other resource and seeing if they read it, that's a, yeah, gives you a much better sense of their fit. I like that. Yeah. By the way, how are your businesses interconnected? Well, in, in many ways they're not. Um, I think uh, I, I started, I started the Parentpreneur Accelerator really as a, as a bit of a, so it's a bit of a cause business. It's it's a bit of a, a philanthropic uh, venture, I guess, in that I uh, I can't imagine ever starting anything that doesn't work as a business with revenue and and so on because that's <laughs> I how I operate, right. That's that's what I like and what I find fun is building the cogs that will fit together to do that, and and also because I'd want to make it big and I know that I can't make it big if it can't fund itself to do so because um, I'd, you know, I'd just be throwing my own money at it. So, uh, so I did build it that way uh, and just, you know, kind of did it because I wanted to help. Uh, it all started actually because I, I got invited to present at a workshop for mums who wanted to start businesses and I'd, I loved it and was really passionate about it and thought, actually, I, I really want to do this. I want to help other parents, not just mums, but you know, parents starting and building their businesses. And so, uh, so yeah, so I started off from that and, and, you know, ran some calls and then based on the calls, then ran some webinars, which turned into courses, which turned into programs, which turned into multiple <laughs> programs built into an accelerator program and along with a, uh, a weekly coaching call. And then, you know, uh, based on some interviews that I did with, um, entrepreneurs that are friends of me, uh, you know, friends of mine, um, as part of the program, I then turned that into a podcast. So that sort of started out of a bit of a hobby. And in many ways, it's not connected with my software business at all. However, I learn so much from each of the businesses and apply it mm. to the other that it's crazy. Like the, the opportunity to experiment in different areas of the business, for example, to, uh, to play around in an area of marketing that otherwise I wouldn't be touching in one business. I think um, that's a golden nugget right there. <laughs> Yeah, it just, uh, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it is really hard to just focus on one thing. And I think it's a, it's a bit of a plight for us is that we, we seem to have this shiny penny syndrome. So we constantly switch. And I think if you don't have that in control, it can, it can completely hold your success back. And, and it definitely has for me, right? I, I, 
I could make more money by not doing not only my parentpreneur accelerator business, but not even my software business, because my software business came out of another business that if I just focused on that, could be making much more money. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I was passionate about, so I created the software business. And then later on, I created Parentpreneur Accelerator. But I think as long as you can time box it and, and apply the learnings across, actually, it can be quite useful and, and overcome or at least mitigate <laughs> against the damage you do by constantly switching your attention. So, um, yeah, so they're not really, they're not really connected uh, aside from uh, perhaps you might, might suggest that uh, Recruitment-wise, <laughs> because uh, Spider Gap uh, employs people remotely, uh, perhaps, perhaps, uh, yeah, perhaps Parentpreneur Accelerator helps on the recruitment side, finding finding parents that decide actually I don't want to start business right now. <laughs> I want to go work, go work for someone else's that uh, makes them a good fit. So, but that's the that's the only thing I can come up with as a as a as a connection. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, you're running uh, Spider Gap for a long time. You're running other businesses. Do you have any advice you can give maybe to all SaaS founders or just business owners who are listening in and wishing maybe to grow their business? Uh, definitely. I'd say the biggest one uh, for me that's, that when I learned this completely changed the results I was getting was get help. Because I think there's, uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know whether it's just a, a thing that was happening when I was starting businesses or whether it's a general feeling for entrepreneurs uh, is this sense of, I need to do this by myself. Um, you know, I need to, to show the world, show myself, show other people, show my family, friends, whatever, that I can do this. And that, you know, I need to have self-belief and confidence and, and perseverance and whatever to make it successful. And the problem is that some of that is accurate, but I think when we look around, often we see the success stories. We see the, the, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Steve Jobses and whatever. And we go, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if I could build a business, you know, that was, that was, so, uh, that, that was so successful. <laughs> Although uh, at the moment we might be looking differently over at Facebook. Um, but, uh, you know, like looking at those successful businesses and saying, oh, wow, weren't they amazing entrepreneurs? You know, can I be like that? And actually, it's in the last few years, I've learned that they didn't get there on their own. It's not that they're just really smart, genius people. Actually, they've had people around them. They've had mentors. They've had you know, guides that have been able to point them in the right direction. Um, in Mark Zuckerberg's case, he had Steve Jobs as a mentor uh, at, one, at one stage in his career. And having someone uh, around you that has had the experience that can set your expectations and can help you identify when you're not, uh, when you've got a, um, something in your head that you are telling yourself it as fact and actually it's not, and it's an opinion, someone who can spot that and help you challenge that someone who can help you identify when your goal is too ambitious or when it's actually too humble. Um, someone who can help you identify what your next step should be or what the plan or the roadmap should be to get you to where you really want to go and challenge you when the plan that you've got actually won't get you there. And I think that saves you so much time. And when I started getting uh, coaches and mentors and uh, masterminding with other entrepreneurs, that was when my, my results completely changed. You know, I, I went from loss-making to, uh, I, think, uh, I think I calculated because I had to deliver a presentation on it. I think I worked out that my profit went, um, went from slightly loss-making 
to 27 times higher, uh, but in the, but in the black into the profit. And it, uh, it was ridiculous how, uh, my, even, even things like cash as well. You know, there was a time in the business where we were profitable, but we were constantly stressed because if we had one month that was just slightly light on cash, we were questioning whether the business would be able to survive. And now we're in a position where if the business, if, if someone told me, Oh, this business, you're not allowed to have another pound of or dollar of revenue in ever again, I've got, I'd have enough business. I'd have enough money in the business to be able to coast it down for, for 12 months. Right. We've had no funding. We've been entirely bootstrapped, but that gives me the confidence to be able to make the right long-term calls. But the only reason I've got been able to get to that is not because I'm a financial genius or anything like that. It's, it's because I got challenged by a mentor about three years ago that we should be holding more cash and this is how to do it. <laughs> and then we did and we put the practice, you know, we put the lessons in place and, and got the results. And I think um, that's, that's not just business changing, that's life changing. That changes my relationships with other people. It changes how I look at myself as an entrepreneur and, and, uh, and, and the businesses I've built because I no longer look at it as something that causes me stress and, and is exciting, but terrifying. I now see it as something, you know, almost like a work of art that I'm designing and building and I know exactly where it's going. And, but I, I don't know that because of me, I know it because I've seen it through the eyes of others. And so I'd say that's the top piece of advice I'd give is listening to podcasts and so on is amazing. And I find it incredibly useful. I don't, you know, whenever I'm Walking, running, gardening, whatever. I'm always listening to podcasts or listening to audio books or whatever. Likewise, yeah. Likewise. But getting, getting direct some kind of coaching help is, uh, is probably my top piece of advice. I love it. I think that's an amazing advice. I think getting help is really tough for people many times, sometimes for myself. And I work with coaches as well and I work with them for many, many years. And that saved me, as I said, time, money, probably many years um, trying to get some of the results. The people many time looking as an expense rather than investment mm. in themselves, which is a, a different perspective how to look at it and how I need to remind myself as well as I get more and more coaches because I need help all the time as well. That's very true. I think all of us uh, do and the best entrepreneurs maybe get more help than others sometimes. Yeah, I think that's, that's such an um, important point there. I think, um, and I really like the way that you say that the uh, that it's often seen as this expense rather than investment. Because actually, if I look at how much money I've spent on that coaching and the training and so on, you know, I, I, I'm tending to spend something like um, in, in US dollars, probably the equivalent of $20,000 plus per year. And in fact, there have been some years where I've, I've spent the equivalent of $35,000, $40,000 on, you know, coaching, masterminding, training, et cetera. And for a lot of people, that'd be hugely excessive. Like, how could I possibly justify spending that money? But I can tell you uh, that um, myself and uh, other entrepreneurs that I've worked with, we typically see a nine times ROI on that money after uh, about 18 months to two years. You know, I've, I've got um, uh, friends uh, that have been part of mastermind groups and coaching groups that, uh, that I'm part of that have gone from making 60,000 pounds in profit per year to 600,000 pounds in profit per year over that, that sort of period, like a couple of years. And yet you, and that you can directly draw back to the coaching and the masterminding and the, and the support that they've had. And I think, um, the hard thing I think for a lot of people is what, once you get your head around that is, is then finding the right fit for you. 
because for some people, depending on your location, it can be quite easy to find. So for example, if you're in London, there are, I'm sure there are many, many groups and, and coaches and uh, masterminding groups and whatever that you can find. I think if you're like me and you're out in the countryside a bit, or you're like my co-founder and you're uh, in uh, a, a lesser known city within Sweden, um, there's, there is less available to you, and particularly in his case, because he doesn't speak flu- sp- uh, fluent speak Swedish, that makes it even more challenging. Um, but, there, but online makes it possible. You know, the, the, in the same way as we can work remotely, we can learn remotely, we can get coached remotely. And when I started my true, um, true. podcast, or was planning my podcast, one of the first things I did was say, well, actually, who do I really respect in this space? Who's, who's done fantastic work? And I identified uh, one of my favorite podcasts was uh, The 5AM Miracle by Jeff Sanders. And so I went onto his website and I saw he did uh, one-to-one coaching. And so I arranged a few coaching sessions and got his advice on if he was going again, what would he do to start the podcast? And you know, he gave directly relevant advice to me on what I should be doing. And then I started it and about... Uh, three months after starting it, I had another call with him and talked about, okay, this is where I've got it to. This is what I think the next challenge is. And he cut through it and told me exactly what I needed to do to take it to the next stage. Um, and in, uh, you know, in the same way as, uh, you know, you find a personal trainer if you want to get fit or whatever, I think it's, it's useful to find someone that understands and has got experience in doing the thing you want to do. And so, you know, whether it's finding an online accelerator program or, uh, one-to-one coaching or, or whatever, I think um, finding that can become your most important job <laughs> because <laughs> it has such a huge impact. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing. So yeah, I like that. I love it. That's really the set of golden nugget. I think we can start wrapping up with this. I want to respect your time. Alexis, I thought we can just wrap up with a few quick uh, fun questions. Are sure. you up for it? Absolutely. <laughs> so what's a fun or exciting thing you've done in the last one or two weeks? Uh, last one or two weeks. Um, <laughs> well, here's a fun thing. So on our daily uh, huddles, so we have daily call with all the staff and sort of share quick wins, progress, blockers, plan. Um, but at the end of every call, um, we have uh, we sort of do our go team to uh, cheer us on. Uh, we didn't think we'd like it, but actually it's weird to not end the call with something. So that's what we're saying. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, so every day I have something fun in there, whether it's one of my colleagues doing a jazz hands <laughs> go team or someone having uh, a pretend, um, uh, yeah, pretend pom-poms or today for uh, the go team, I happen to have a bunch of flowers with these. So I threw it up in the air as <laughs> we said go team. It's just like little fun things like that with the team are really nice. So uh, I could, there's lots of other things I could pick, but actually that's a really nice thing uh, to do with the team like that. <laughs> love it. And what's your favorite reading material? So I love audiobooks and and typically it get can be through, audio, yeah. Yeah, and typically get through one or two a week. And I would say some of the best books for me over the last few months have been Traction, uh, which is an amazing book, highly recommended, particularly if you're if you've sort of grown the business and now you're looking to get to the next stage you know, and organize around your team. I think I'd highly recommend that. Um, the e-myth is great as well for that kind of stage. In fact, it works quite well in combination with traction. I'd say uh, Ready, Fire, Aim is an awesome book, particularly for understanding the stage of business that you're at and, uh, and understanding where you're, uh, where you're at there. So I'd say there's, there's some uh, starters for 10, but 
um, I've actually, <laughs> I, I, I get asked this question because I've got so many on my list. I ended up creating a, uh, a page on my, on my site <laughs> that's got a list of about my 50 favorite books just because it's, yeah, it's a bit of a passion of mine. It's just constantly learning. Awesome. And what are free things you always leave your house with besides your phone and laptop? Um, well, as a, as a parentpreneur, it's probably going to be uh, a dummy for my daughter, a toy for my son. <laughs> Uh, and uh, wet wipes if I remember them, but otherwise uh, probably my uh, headphones to make sure that I'm able to listen to audiobooks and podcasts when I'm traveling and out and about in the few moments when I'm not with family. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Alexis, where can people find you online? Where would you want to maybe send um, people to hear more about you, hear about uh, and check your ventures? Sure. So they, they can... Certainly find me at parentpreneur.com where they'll find details about uh, the podcast. Uh, they can find my contact details and reach out to me there. Uh, they can also find uh, the uh, accelerator program that we run. Uh, if they're interested in the software business, then they can check out spidergap.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, do, do feel free to reach out if you're interested in learning more about what SpiderGap can do for your business or indeed uh, if you're interested in potentially learning about the roles that we've got available there. Cool. Alexis, thank you very much for your time, man. I really enjoyed talking to you and thank you for coming to the show. You too. Absolutely fantastic and love what you're doing. Small quest before you leave. So if you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate to receive a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. That can really help. And we also would love to hear any feedback that you have. Anything else you want us to ask anyone coming to the show? Anything you want to change, improve, add, or something you like? Really, any feedback, we really, really appreciate it. Have a great day.